Welcome to the Recover Me podcast with Warren Willey, doctor of osteopathic medicine, a best-selling author, and leading expert on holistic, healthy living. Warren is your guide to living a naturally healthier, happier life. So much of Western medicine, popular diets, and fitness fads put a bandage over health problems, addressing symptoms and not causes, offering short-term results at the expense of long-term health. That's why Warren is a man on a mission to question the status quo and uncover holistic health solutions you can use in your life, starting right now. Now to get us started today, here's Warren. Hi, Warren Willie here. Welcome to another session of the Recover Me podcast, the podcast that discusses how you can recover from your own life and just maintain health, happiness, and wellness. Today we're going to be covering, it's a shorter topic, it's going to be a shorter uh, podcast today, but we're going to be covering PICOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, a very, very, very important thing because a lot of women have it, a lot of people are affected by it for fertility reasons, and so I think it's important you understand it, and then what you can do using the Recover Me approach. Believe it or not, PCOS is the most common endocrine disorder or disorder of hormones in women of reproductive age in the United States. It's estimated that 1 in 10 women have PCOS, and it accounts for 75% of the amenorrhea, or the lack of menstruation, in women of that age. It is absolutely amazing how it also is a huge cause of infertility. If you have excessive body hair, particularly hair on the chin, the chest or nipples, the belly button to the pubic bone or inner thighs, PCOS gets a huge blame for that. That is called hertzism in the medical world. It's blamed for 85% of the women, or 85% of the reasons why women may have excessive body hair in those areas. PCOS is also a risk factor for several diseases and disease states. It's estimated that women with PCOS have seven times the likelihood of getting diabetes. They have higher rates of blood pressure and heart disease and an increased risk of four hormonally related cancers, such as endometrial cancer or cancer of the uterus, breast cancer, and ovarian cancer. So it is very, very important that that your doctor, if you may have PCOS, gets to the bottom of it because of those risk factors. Really important. PCOS presents to doctor's offices when menstruation stops. So I see in my practice uh, quite a bit when a young lady hasn't had a period in a few months, which is quite concerning. Now there's a difference between not having a period because of PCOS and not having a period because you don't eat enough and you exercise too much. Like in the uh, female athletic triad, uh, which is an eating disorder, amenorrhea or lack of menstruation and osteoporosis or bone breakdown because of lack of nutrients. That's a different reason. And we can usually get that out of the history when we're sitting there discussing this with the uh, young lady as to what may be a potential cause. But when we see a woman that comes in with excessive body hair in those areas, they are not able to menstruate. Uh, Maybe they've been trying to have babies for years or, Uh, they're just not fertile, or maybe they get pregnant, but they lose the child somewhere in the early pregnancy. Um, 
those are all reasons we see people. Some other ones that might bring a young lady into my office and then I diagnose PCOS are skin changes besides the hair growth. How about acne or male pattern baldness, believe it or not. Those are very, very common uh, to see in women with PCOS. Also, when a young lady comes in with anxiety or depression or possibly even uh, quick to anger, a little aggression, uh, that may be a reason to evaluate for polycystic ovarian syndrome. It's been, and I know I was taught way long time ago that PCOS occurs with obesity, but that's not always the case. I would say, well, uh, half the women that I have visited at, with and diagnosed PCOS were of normal, if not just a little over uh, normal weight. They weren't necessarily obese, but that is the way Western medicine thinks of it is if you have obesity, then you're at a greater chance of PCOS. But I think we need, we miss some women with PCOS when that occurs. So I don't hang my hat on that. And I think it's important that everyone understands that that may be uh a slight misnomer there. Now that being said, and I'm going to talk about in a minute here, PCOS is a disorder of insulin. So yes, your eating has a lot to do with it, but we'll get to that in a minute here. Women with PCOS can also show up in my office with chronic pelvic pain, sleep apnea, pain with sexual activity, uh, or even breast discharge. I've seen a couple uh, young ladies come in, uh, overall felt well, but they had breast discharge, usually a white or gray discharge uh, at any time during the month. And doing our full workup, we came up with polycystic ovarian syndrome. So it's something to think about. The risk factors or causative factors uh, that we think of when women uh, present with PCOS. Uh, well, we think of mom. Is mom possibly to blame here? Uh, and there are some studies showing that mom may be of influence here. In other words, there may be a genetic connection, which I'll cover here. Uh, studies show that roughly 40% of women with PCOS have a sister with it, and roughly 35% of these women uh, with PCOS have a mom with it. So there is a connection there. The hormone, or excuse me, the gene that triggers that um, may cause higher than normal testosterone levels or androgen levels and or insulin levels. Um, that gene is called folostatin. And that's something I'm not going to play a huge uh, or discuss a lot in this particular podcast, but just know it's very important in uh, insulin kinetics androgen kinetics, and the development of the ovaries uh, in young ladies. So important to know about that gene. Um, as I mentioned earlier, PCOS is not necessarily a problem of androgens. It's more of a problem with insulin. And we also tend to eat the way our parents ate, the way our sisters eat and stuff. So there is that epigenetic factor uh, and we'll be doing a number of podcasts with the Recover Me a podcast series on epigenetics and its influence on the body. So we can't just hang our hat or blame mom uh, for having polycystic ovarian syndrome because the environment you grew up with, with mom, may have been similar enough to have an influence on the syndrome. So it's important to realize there's a lot more factors. There's always more factors than we think there is. There's always stuff going on. So if it's a problem with insulin, then if we were to test for it, one of the tests we do when we are trying to evaluate PCOS is looking at 
insulin levels. If they're elevated, then we lean or start thinking of polycystic ovarian syndrome. We also see a decrease when we do testing of uh, something called sex hormone binding globulin. Sex hormone binding globulin is what binds estrogen and testosterone in our bodies. And when sex hormone binding globulin is low, there's more free testosterone in a woman's body. Hence, the male pattern bodness, the body hair that we discussed earlier, absence of menstruation, all those things are part of it. Well, Insulin is something that lowers sex hormone binding globulin. So we have to think of that. Insulin also affects a brain hormone called luteinizing hormone. Luteinizing hormone is what stimulates downstream because the luteinizing hormone comes from your pituitary gland and it stimulates downstream the ovaries and whatnot to increase androgen production or androgens, testosterone. I'm going to use those interchangeably, but DHEA is also one of those that we look at when we test. As with almost every uh, medical concern out there, stress is a factor. Studies have shown that cortisol plays a role in PICOs. High cortisol levels, high stress levels equate to higher prolactin levels. And prolactin is a brain hormone from the pituitary as well, just like LH, that may change the way progesterone works. Progesterone is a very important hormone in women, and we tend to see a disconnect between progesterone, estrogen, and testosterone in women with PCOS. It's also been shown that women with PCOS may not utilize or process cortisol as well as those uh, that do not have the syndrome. So all of that adds up to a woman developing polycystic ovarian syndrome. So the evaluation of it is a combination of imaging studies, lab work, and clinical findings. And what I mean by that is imaging studies, ultrasound of the ovaries, uh, CT scanners. Uh, sometimes we get uh, ovarian cysts incidentally found when they're doing a CT scan of the belly for, or pelvis region for something else. Lab findings, I'm gonna cover here real quick. Um, those are, are important factors in our diagnoses. Uh, also, like I stated earlier, excess body hair, acne, high blood pressure, uh, all those things are things that will trigger us to do this evaluation. So the way we start in my practice, we start with a full pelvic examination because you want to make sure everything is anatomically correct. Do an ultrasound looking at the ovaries is a big part of the evaluation, though always not necessarily. Um, we can do pretty good with clinical diagnoses with our labs and our physical examination to determine if a woman has PCOS. Laboratory tests will look at the androgens in the system, such as testosterone, DHEA, and possibly even one called androstenedione, which is a slightly higher above testosterone in the downward stream or cascade. We look at gonadotropin hormones from the pituitary gland, including FSH, LH, prolactin, and of course, TSH, the thyroid. So I look at all the thyroid hormones too to make sure there's not a problem there. Looking at the different types of estrogen, uh, particularly E2, which is estradiol. It's the most predominant estrogen of women in women of childbearing age. And then we look for one called E12, because E1 is called esterone. It's the uh, estrogen in women during menopause, but women with PCOS, some of them have higher E1 levels, so it's important to look at. Also looking at inflammatory markers such as C-reactive protein or other uh, markers of oxidative stress may be important. If 
if not for anything else, for long-term risk assessment, looking at those risks for heart disease and cancers and everything I mentioned earlier. So now that you have somewhat understanding how we diagnose PCOS, uh, its clinical presentation, uh, and even some understanding of how prevalent it really is, let's talk about the Recover Me intervention because it is really something you can do at home if you have this diagnosis to help you overcome it. First and foremost, optimize insulin kinetics. And we do that through diet. Now, that being said, we can do symptom treatment can be a benefit. Like if hair is an issue, there's some meds I'm going to talk about in a minute here that will help that. Acne is an issue, we can help that. But really to start with a good eating plan, a good movement program uh, is the most appropriate thing for women with PCOS. So let's do that. Let's just start with the eating plan right now. The eating plan for PCOS is a low inflammatory, low carbohydrate diet. with what I call delayed eating technique. I think it works so well with people. On the internet, they've been calling it for the last few years, uh, intermittent fasting. I call it DET dieting, D-E-T, for delayed eating technique, because it's been something we've been doing for years, uh, both for the sport of uh, physique artistry, like bodybuilding, as well as uh, in medical conditions like this. This is done by avoiding most, if not all, carbohydrates uh, in the diet, to keep insulin low and avoid as many processed foods and man-made foods as you can. With the debt dieting, eating should take place in a roughly a six-hour window, from example, 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. every day, most days of the week. And I say that importantly because you can't do it all the time. Real life happens. You want to go out for dinner. You want to go to breakfast with the family one day. Most days of the week, you stay in this uh, delayed eating technique where you're not eating until 3 in the afternoon and then stop at 9 in the evening. So you have this six-hour window of eating. Again, if you want a little more information on it, it's called Intermittent Fasting Online. And I've written it in a few of my books uh, for a number of years called debt dieting. So this style of eating will increase insulin sensitivity overall, help insulin perform better, lower insulin's burden and load, and it will help to optimize all those androgens, uh, which really is part of the big symptom presentation is the skin changes, the excess of hair growth, again, on those body parts and the acne. Um, For the exercise program, it's been shown, and there's been great studies on exercise in women with PCOS. Exercise alone has been shown to cause, I think it's an 11% reduction in uh, central fat, so belly fat, uh, 71% improvement in insulin sensitivity, so that with the good diet really improves your uh, body's ability to utilize uh, insulin appropriately. It shows a decrease, uh, exercise alone of any sort, decreases fasting insulin levels, it lowers luteinizing hormone, the LH, the hormone that increases the androgens, testosterone in the body and whatnot via the ovaries. All those things do it. So exercise for women with PCOS should be short duration, high intensity movements. Uh, This would be ideally done uh, in a resistance training setting, such as HERT or high intensity resistance training, or even some HIIT cardio, high intensity interval training. Uh, But you want it hard, quick, and fast. It should be done five 
maybe six days a week, but make sure you're recovering. Follow the Recover Me podcast for recovery post-exercise. And I wouldn't do it more than 20, 30 minutes a day. Now, that goes against a lot of people's belief in, well, how much do I need to exercise? Even the American College of Sports Medicine and some of the big medical uh, groups out there suggest a lot more exercise than that. But I disagree and you've if you've been paying attention to the recover me podcast or read my latest book obtainable you know that exercise is a stress on the body and i talked earlier that part of the problem with polycystic ovarian syndrome is an excess in cortisol well if you're exercising three hours a day seven days a week cortisol is through the roof you're not going to necessarily improve, if improve at all, your PICOS. And as a lot of wonderful women with polycystic ovarian syndrome out there already know, and I've seen them in my practice a time and time again, they exercise so much and eat so little, they actually gain weight. The opposite happens of everything we hope because there's so much more to it than calories. It is a hormone issue. So remember that exercise is a stress on the body. So short duration, 20, 30 minutes, five to six days a week, high intensity resistance training with intermittent high intensity uh, training like cardio uh, activity is the best exercise to treat your PCOS. I would also make sure you utilize a good pre and post-workout meal so you recover well. And there's podcasts and plenty of information on that. So that being said, we talked about diet, we talked about exercise and the recover me approach to PCOS. Let's talk about some Western medication because there are some things we use primarily for symptom management, but they could be used for some other things. Uh, for example, regulating menstrual cycles. Um, with the combination of birth control pills uh, really work well. Uh, I personally add uh, if someone uh, isn't trying to get uh, or maybe trying to get pregnant, excuse me, and they don't want to do the birth control, I like using cyclic progesterone, micronized progesterone, bioidentical progesterone. I supplement it for 10 to 14 days a month from roughly mid-cycle through the late luteal phase. So the way the menstrual cycle works, just as a review, the first half of it's called the follicular phase. That's when the uh, estrogen's building up the uterine lining. You ovulate mid-cycle. So if you're on a 28-day cycle, roughly day 14, then you get into the luteal phase. And so starting progesterone at that phase later helps balance estrogen progesterone kinetics also progesterone being progestation the, the hormone of pregnancy if a woman happens to get pregnant on that it's a safe alternative obviously if they're using birth control that's not going to allow them to get pregnant so it also allows for regular cycling uh, in a lot of women who really want to be on a regular cycle and not missing them so much. So that is a great intervention. I have used progesterone on a daily basis in some women, particularly if women have issues with sleep at night or high stress levels because progesterone in the brain crosses a blood-brain barrier, stimulates something called norpregnenolone, which increases GABA gamma aminobutyric acid, which is a strong inhibitory uh, neurotransmitter in your brain. It also, again, like I said earlier, balances out the estrogen-progesterone ratio. To specifically treat excessive uh, hair growth or acne on the uh, skin changes, my favorite drug is called spironolactone or aldactone. It's actually a diuretic. It's a potassium-sparing diuretic, but it also blocks androgens. Um, and then there's always... Uh, 
actual procedure interventions, electrolysis, laser, waxing for hair and whatnot. I've had a couple women uh, go to our med spa and get on Accutane for that because the acne was so bad with their PCOS and the spironolactone didn't quite do as well. So those are some things that are just to consider because again, treating the symptoms for improved quality of life while we're treating the underlying cause is the recover me method of intervention. So if a woman's trying to get pregnant, I think some meds that work very well are metformin. Metformin is a medication we use in diabetes and insulin resistant. It works great in PCOS and improves pregnancy rates. Using a medicine called Clomiphen or Clomid increases ovulation, so uh, women are more likely to get pregnant with that. And then there's even some uh, anti-estrogens that we use in a cyclic matter called uh, Letrozole is one of them. just some options there. I won't get into too much detail of those because those are things you need to discuss with your doctor, but those are also available out there. There's some great supplements that also help, primarily symptoms, but it can help in the big picture. Supplements have been shown to be a great benefit in PCOS, uh, both aimed at symptoms and lowering insulin levels is what I write those supplements for. The my probably in no particular order of my favorite versus not, but I really like vitamin D3, roughly 2,000 uh, international units a day. This vitamin acts more as a pro-hormone, and so it's very beneficial to have optimal levels of all your hormones when you have a hormonal concern. So vitamin D3, 2,000 international units a day works great with that. I use a lot of high-dose uh, omega-3 fatty acids in the form of fish oil, anywhere between three, five, 10 grams a day. That's 10 of those little pills. If you do that much, I would divide those doses, take with food and make sure your pills are frozen so they don't break up in your belly and you get fish burps and then lose all your friends and family. Heck, the dog won't even kiss you if you have fish burps. So just something to consider. Very powerful antioxidant because as I shared earlier, there's a high inflammatory state, high oxidative stress in women with PCOS and those omega-3 fatty acids really help with that. One of my all-time favorite supplements I use for so many conditions is called N-acetylcysteine or NAC, N-A-C. I use roughly 1,200 milligrams of it a day. I always have people take vitamin C with it. 500 milligrams is great because some people are prone to develop kidney stones uh, without the vitamin C. The vitamin C tends to help that. So NAC, N-acetylcysteine, 1,200 milligrams a day with vitamin C. NAC provides cysteine, which is the rate-limiting step for the formation of glutathione. Glutathione is the most powerful antioxidant in the body and has been shown to be of great benefit, especially when people are trying to get pregnant because it helps uh, fertility when you use Clomid. Uh, for one. Um, it just, it's its a wonderful hormone. It fixes the liver. There's insulin resistance in the liver and PCOS. NAC really helps with that. It decreases uh, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Uh, just so many things. NAC is an absolute essential for women with polycystic ovarian syndrome. Another one you may have heard uh, from mom uh, because a lot of women take this supplement in menopause called black cohosh. I suggest roughly 20 milligrams a day. Black cohosh binds to the estrogen receptor and helps to lower LA, so luteinizing hormone. So not only do we get benefits uh, with the hair and skin changes by lowering things uh, or the androgens, it's just a great benefit overall in that whole 
estrogen, progesterone, testosterone balance we talk about. Another one I really like a lot is chaseberry. Chaseberry, roughly 40 milligrams a day. Chaseberry has been shown to help increase progesterone, thereby again improving progesterone kinetics, helping with the progesterone to estrogen ratio. It's also been shown to help with cycle-related breast tenderness and PMS symptoms. So a lot of women that I know with polycystic ovarian syndrome come in with uh, a lot of, if they are menstruating, have a lot of PMS symptoms uh, or breast tenderness around it, and uh, that supplement tends to help that quite a bit. Another one I like is salt palmetto, uh, roughly 300 milligrams a day. You probably are familiar with salt palmetto from your dad taking it or your grandpa, possibly your brother, depending on your age. Salt palmetto we use in the treatment of uh, prostate. It's what we call a 5-alpha reductase inhibitor, and therefore in women, it'll help with excessive hair growth as you have some women in particular with a lot of hair growth on the body have 5-alpha reductase uh, converting testosterone to dihydrotestosterone in the hair follicle causing it to grow more. So uh, that helps with that. It's also, I've had a number of patients where I start um, saw palmetto in and they do great uh, with their acne as well. So definitely a needed supplement in this condition. Green tea is a great one. Having a one or two cups of green tea every day has been shown to increase sex hormone binding globulin. So remember I spoke of when we were talking about the pathogenesis or why women get PCOS, one of the reasons uh, is they have very low sex hormone binding globulin, so they have more free testosterone available, causing havoc in their bodies. Uh, one or two cups of green tea a day may increase sex hormone binding globulin and therefore decrease the amount of free testosterone in the system, which is just absolutely what we want because it not only helps with the underlying condition, but it also helps with the symptom management. So that is a quick, straight and dirty review of polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS uh, utilizing the Recover Me method. Uh, if you have any questions, again, you know how to contact me on my website, drwilly.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-E-Y.com. Uh, stay tuned. Keep looking for these medically uh, based Recover Me podcasts as I try to give you the power to take care of yourself. Remember, can't control your stressors, but we can certainly help your body deal with everything. Thank you for joining Warren on the Recover Me podcast with Warren Willie, your guide to living a naturally healthier, happier life. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or wherever you find your best podcasts. To connect with Warren and the community, learn more about naturally healthy living, and claim a free resource to improve your health right away, visit drwilly.com. You'll find all of Dr. Willie's resources there, including best-selling books like Better Than Steroids, The Z Diet, What Does Your Doctor Look Like Naked, and his latest book, Obtainable. Enjoy the body and energy you've always wanted beyond diet and exercise. That's drwilly.com, D-R-W-I-L-L-E-Y.com. And until next time with Warren, get fit, be healthy, live life.